If you weren't here this morning, I just would encourage you to go and have a listen to the, the message online. It's there at the moment. Um, and tonight's all part of God building family. And that's what I was speaking about this morning, transformational family. Um, you know, we're, we're not called to be businesses. We're not called to be organizations. We're not called to be an institution. We're not called to be a destination point. Uh, we're not where you get married. We are the church. The church isn't a building. Uh, it's not run as if you'd run a business. It's run by him, and it's built by him and his ways. And uh, we're starting to unpack what does it really mean to be a family, um, his family, and how do his family live on the earth because his family are quite different from the families of the world. They live with different values and priorities, and they're able to access a, a living realm and receive that realm and live from this new source of life. And so although we need physical food to maintain this physical body, that's not our food source, and it never should be the food source that we're living our lives from. If it is, we're dying. Spiritually, we're dying, and he wants us to feed off him. So as we feed off him, we can literally be a family that lay their lives down for one another. And it's interesting, isn't it, how, you know, John 3.16 says that he sent his only son into the world to lay his life down. And 1 John 3.16 says that his family are to do the same. The connection is exquisite because he was the son that modeled and we're all sons and so we to model the life of the son. And God puts it plainly in his word for us. But like I said this morning, we can't do that out of our humanity. It will fail. But we can do it because all things are possible if we're feeding on the sun. And so that's our opportunity to be dieting on him. So then we're able to be the family that he desires and has always desired to see on the earth. And that's a selfless, sacrificial, set-apart, sent people. Holy unto the Lord, consecrated unto him. And he gives us this thing called faith to see and to believe all things. And um, it's going to be awesome tonight. And uh, as I was dialing with Haiti during the week, she was just sharing her heart. And just what her and Jaron are going through, and that's going to be a big part of tonight, really do hear. Hear the reality that is possible in him. Because it sets you free. So come, Haley, and share what you've got. Awesome. Um, it, I actually feel really blessed to be here tonight, not and privileged, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done in me. And I, I feel a real privilege to be able to share that with you guys. Um, yeah, because he's spoken to me so clearly about how we walk together as a body and what we go through personally is for everyone. It's not just for ourselves. So I'm going to, sort of my heading on this is through the fiery ordeals in my life, God has taught me about hope, sight and freedom. And I just want to share some of the journey over the last five years just to give you a bit of a context to, I guess, where we've come from and what God has done in that time. Um, 
So we got married just over five years ago. And basically from that point on, <laughs> um, we've had quite a rough time. <laughs> like it just, honestly, it's been one thing after another. It's been close friends getting cancer. It's been family friends having low neuron disease. It's, it's been, um, we've miscarried. <laughs> we've got a child with a disability. My mum was diagnosed with cancer. Like it's just been boom, 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 boom. And it, it got to the point where it was like, okay, all right, okay, it can't get any worse, you know, this must be the end of sort of this sort of bad luck, so to speak. Um, but it really wasn't, and it just kept coming at us. And the things he's taught me is hope, sight, and freedom. And when we, when we had the miscarriage, we were devastated because we'd been trying for about, oh, just about eight, eight months. And, um, you know, obviously it's a hard time. And through walking through that, I realised that hope doesn't cease to exist because something bad has happened. And in the hope is not in the thing or the outcome. It's actually in him, in Christ. And when you can anchor your hope in Christ, you can actually walk through these things um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's less painful or that it's not hard, but you you can actually stand and keep going. And there was one time I'd been lying in bed and I was just, tears were streaming down my face and I got up and I looked in the mirror and I said to the Lord, I said, I love you. Like, I really love you. And I realised that I loved him more than the baby that we lost. And... I was just so overcome with love for him that I just couldn't believe that that came out of my mouth. But it's just a testament to the work that he will do in you if you allow him to in those times. So, you know, our hope is in Christ. It's not in whether we were going to have that baby or not. It was in him. And the outcome was his Either way, because he was a bit of like, oh, maybe we're not losing it, maybe, but in the end, you know, the blood test showed that we were, but, but yeah, he he is it, and nothing else can replace that. The other thing he taught me, sight, like this has just been the most incredible thing that he has shown me, and. We t- if we look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, it reads, For momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. <laughs> I love the <laughs> I love the momentary light affliction. I was like, um. <laughs> but do you know what? That is all it is compared to the eternal glory that he is building in us, that he is building in his people. And the only reason I can stand here and actually 100% agree with that word is because he has shown me his absolute commitment to establishing himself in me. And without these light afflictions, light afflictions, I would never have discovered that about him and so in a way I was talking to Santa before in a way I'm actually thankful 
for the things that we have gone through because without those things, I don't know if I would have the measure of Christ that I do today. Um, while we were pregnant with Eddie, um, I asked Jaren, <laughs> what happens if we have a child with a disability? <laughs> and he answered, well, God knows that we can handle it. <laughs> I was like, when I look back on that now, I'm just stunned. Um, you know, I know the Lord has been preparing us for this. Um, I will explain a bit more about Addie in a sec. But I've worked with disabled people my, most of my life since I was a teenager. And it's always been a part of my life. And it's funny because when we were pregnant with Addie, I left my job and I was working with people with intellectual, um, social needs. And I remember saying to God, oh, you know, I think that door's shut now. <laughs> Well, it's well and truly a part of my life. <laughs> um, and I remember when we went to antenatal class, they read out this nice little story about how, and it's, you know, just to point out that sometimes things go wrong and sometimes kids end up with different things. And, you know, it's about go wanting to go to London, but you end up in Holland and you meet all these different people. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, you yeah, know, that won't be us. Like, I actually remember the distinct time that I said that to myself. But with Addie, the process of finding out, so cerebral palsy is basically, um, so cerebral means brain, so there's something wrong with the brain, something's happened, like an injury or, or damage, and then palsy refers to like some sort of paralysis. So for Addie, she's affected in that she, um, her right side is a lot weaker than her left side, so she doesn't use her right arm as much, and also her legs are affected. So we actually don't know if she's going to be able to walk independently. I mean, we want to see that happen, but we don't know. And because she's so little, you you don't really get a good idea of how mobile they're going to be until they're about five or six, and then that will give you an indication of sort of what their needs are going to be throughout the rest of their life. Um, we knew that something wasn't right with Eddie, and through a series of things, we were under a paediatrician anyway, and we mentioned these things, and then we got fast-tracked to see a neurological specialist. And basically, he confirmed what we already knew. Um, but what the Lord told me in those early days about partnering with Addie, and that at the end of the day, what happens physically with her is actually of no value when compared with what happens in her spirit. And there's been times when I've had to actually go back to what he's told me in those early days because my spirit's become a bit like, <gasps> but you know, when I think back to what he, he said those things to me, and, and that has, the sight that he gave me at that time is what is carrying me through now. Um, you know, Eddie's amazing. She has therapy four times a week, and she will, she has stretches, they will let her do hamstring stretches with her, and she smiles all the time, and like, she's just an amazing, happy kid. And me and Jaren actually can't believe that we've, you know, been asked to look after this child while she's here <laughs> because it is amazing. Um, I have a diary um, bit from when we just found out and I, I had just was just pouring out my heart. And I just really want to read it to you because it just... It, 
it sums up what he's what he told me in those early days. Boy, when it rains, it pours around here. <laughs> to be honest, I feel quite wrecked, but it's the sort of wrecked that carries hope with it, because my hope's not in the circumstance; it's in him. To find out that your daughter is oh, that's right, she's deaf in one ear as well, that your mum has cancer and then that your daughter also has cerebral palsy, all in the space of six months or so, is rather interesting to say the least. Then to realise that somehow you are still standing is nothing short of a miracle. When you realise that what you are seeing physically isn't defining the situation, but that what defines it is him and his truth. That it's never been just about us, but about the body and the work he wants to see complete, and that to avoid the process you can miss the promises and the inheritance he has for us. When you realise that all that matters to you is that Addie would know and love him with all her heart, regardless of what her body is doing. Knowing that you wouldn't trade the truth being established in her for her complete healing that you can hold hope in each and every circumstance and that when you get slapped in the face again, you keep hoping. When you realise how significant circumstances and situations are in refining and building his kingdom in your heart, that Eddie is our sister in Christ and he is asking us to be faithful with her and to simply partner with her. When you realise that sadness, anger, bitterness and tiredness won't last, but he will. And that is only by knowing him that you can come to understand the truth about all things. When you realise that there is no other way to share in his life except by the cross, except by death, and all that, and that all things come from being at the foot of Jesus. And when you realise that Christ will be formed in you and those you walk with because of what you're walking through. The unseen things that we see in the spirit, the eternal reality that he reveals to us, is what then determines our situations and what defines the here and now. What we see eternally brings understanding to the now. What he showed me in those early days, like what he showed me when I wrote that in my diary, um, has shaped the way that I see her and has shaped the way I look at trials we go through in life. We all have them, they just look different. But they all have one purpose, to help us gain sight of the eternal reality that is, at, that is at hand so that we may become more like him and take on the very character of Christ himself. You know, when, when we go through suffering and pain, it's, it's never just for the sake of the suffering there's always a purpose to it because, I mean, it's all through the Bible, you know? They all suffered. They suffered for Christ's sake and there was purpose to it because it built in them the eternal reality that, that he has. And, but we, have to, we do have to choose to allow him to take us on that process because that is the process that he will sanctify us and transform us. Um, 1 Peter 1, 6-9. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You know, and the things that really stick out to me there is that, you know, these trials are so, is a proof of our faith. When we go through these things, it doesn't prove what we are believing in and what we're hoping in and who we're looking to. And, you know, it's more precious than gold, which is there one day and gone the next. Um, you know, and I, was, I, was, I think I'm correct, but I was researching about, you know, gold and silver and how they purify it, and it does. It has to go through the fire because the impurities bubble up out of it. And so it becomes a pure metal, or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, with, with the things in our lives, that's, you know, part of that is the fire burning through us so that what is not him comes out. And so that <laughs> he can then replace it with himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, while there are times that I just like to sit down and I never want to get up, the work and truth that has been established in me pushes me on. You know, it's not easy. And I'm not standing here telling you guys that it's easy. <laughs> Sometimes the reality and magnitude of what we face at times does seem insurmountable. And sometimes it feels like I can't possibly keep putting one foot in front of the other for fear of discovering something else that is undesirable and hard. That feeling of when is it going to stop overwhelms me sometimes. And it really does. It causes me to shift in my seat. The things we suffer are not just for our own sakes, but for the sakes of those we walk with. It is for the sake of his church, his bride. Because as we know, he's looking for a bride that reflects him. And, and how else can that happen? <laughs> it is so that the giving of thanks may abound because we can all see the glory that is him in each other's lives. The glory that can only be established as we are delivered over to death so that his life may be manifest in us and through us. There really is no shortcut to this. <laughs> but there is no greater thing to attain than him. I have even found myself at times embracing the struggle because I know the work that it produces in me. And even that, I, it astounds me that, that I would embrace the things that go wrong <laughs> because I know that what comes out of it is more of him and I gain more of Christ. Um. You know, I firmly, I firmly believe that that the enemy, that Satan, has no jurisdiction in my heart or my life. Like he's already been dealt with, and so therefore, I've come to a place where I'm not quick to pray away things or rebuke things because I absolutely want to go through the process with him. If that's what he is wanting, I I don't want to shortcut it because more of Christ. And, and that's why I can say that um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the work he's doing in my heart for Addie's complete healing. Can he heal her? Of course he can. Like, I, I know that. And I believe that to be a possibility, and he is doing a work in that area in me. 
but I wouldn't sacrifice for that, for the eternal weight of glory. Um, I just wouldn't. And, you know, he recently spoke to me about this in the morning service um, a few weeks ago. Eddie was in her walker. So for those of you who don't know, she has a, a wee walker, so it's like a frame that she sits in and her arms are strapped in, poor thing. And <laughs> she doesn't walk very well for me and Jaren, but at, she, at her therapy she does really well and she, she does get going in it. Um, but she took a few steps towards the stage and he just whispered to me, he said, Hayley, Addie will ask me about her healing and I will direct her in it. And... I guess the reality is is that Jaron and I may never see a physical healing, but our hope, but our hope's not pinned in that. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like something that we're chasing after. If he directs us to pray for healing, then yes, we will. Um, like this morning, I had a bit of a <laughs> bit of a struggle because <laughs> Greg, you know, asked asked people to come up for healing, and I'm like, oh. And I started getting all, like, mucked up inside. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. No way. I just need to be obedient in this moment because I trust Greg and I trust that he's heard from the Lord. And so I said to Jan, what do you think? He's like, well, no, what do you think? (laughs) I was like, why are we thinking so hard about this? But it's, you know, I don't want to go down that road either where it's, you know, it's just about being obedient to his prompting and his voice. Um, and then one other morning service, he, I had a vision, and it was her running out from crash. And obviously, you know, she can't walk yet. Um, but yeah, it was her running out. And, you know, who knows? God knows. And, and our hope is pinned in him, not in what we want to see, um, you know, in, in anything physical around us. And, like, you know, this is not just in this particular situation in our, li- in our lives, it's in all situations in our lives, that we can't go chasing outcomes because he determines the outcome. <laughs> and our trust and faith is in him, not in what we see with our eyes. Um, the next thing he, um, it's funny because all these things are kind of intertwined anyway. But the next thing I realised he had taught me was about freedom. And there was, I'm not sure when it was, it was last year sometime, but um, I think Cindy Rupiri was actually speaking. I was with Addie in the mother's room. And, um, man, I just just felt really, like, uh, inside. And she'd just been sleeping on me. She woke up and then... um, I I I think Cindy asked if people wanted to come up for prayer or something. And tears started streaming down my face and I, I walk out and I stand at the back and I'm like, what do I do? And I just, and I, as I was walking up the front with her in my arms, it was like I was offering her to him. Now I thought that I, thought that I had let her go, you know, and, and acknowledge that she's not mine and she's not Jaren's to start with. <laughs> But I just, there was just this distinct, and honestly, I think if I thought it would have been okay, I probably would have just laid her down and then walked off. But (laughs) because that's, spiritually, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was laying her at the altar and I was taking my hands off her. And, um, you know, people were praying for us, but I just, I just, I felt like this, this freedom of letting her go 
and and just being able to allow him to do the work that he needs to do and take my hands off it. Um, there's an email that I wrote on earlier this year and it starts off like this. I think the reality of having a child with a disability is starting to show its ugly face and at times it is so overwhelming I just want to sit down and cry and never get up. Some days it feels like I'm drowning in a pool of my own tears, anger, frustration and hurt. Some days I can't believe that this is happening to us. There are days when I realise that I'm not okay, that I'm not dealing with all that is going on very well. And this came out of a, a time where I had been getting frustrated with Addie. I think Addie was just standing in her walker. That's all she was doing. And there had been a few moments up to this point where... Um, I felt like I was starting to get out of control and I was actually afraid I was going to hurt her um, just because so much frustration and anger and like Eddie wasn't, it's not like she was screaming or being naughty or anything and I just, <laughs> I was a bit like, oh my gosh and I, so I had to take a step back. Anyway, I, I made her some milk, sat down on the couch with her and and was feeding her, and I just said to her, what is going on? Like, this is not me. Like, I, I'm, I don't usually battle with this type of intense <laughs> frustration. Um, and he just said to me, Hayley, is it going to be okay if she ends up in a wheelchair? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be okay. And he said, well, you need to be okay with this to be free from it because it's a fear that is in you and it's fear that is driving you. And so you, you need to be okay with this outcome because otherwise I'm never going to find freedom and I'm going to keep chasing and keep pushing and keep, expecting her to do things that her body won't allow her to do through no fault of her own. And, you know, because, like I said, our, after all, our hope is not in that she will walk or that she will be normal. Our hope is in him who desires only one thing, and that's her heart and mind. And so I, asked, I was asking myself these questions. Am I willing to let go of my own expectations for her? And, I'm, and am I going to be okay with that? Is it okay in my heart if our daughter ends up in a wheelchair? What will it truly mean to be free of fear and frustration? And what do I need to let go of in order for that to happen? And what is he revealing to us and how is he choosing to teach us? I want to spend the rest of my life in partnership with the Lord. And I don't want to spend my life striving after physical things that at the end of the day mean nothing in eternity. And I don't want to look at our daughter and feel disappointed because she's not been able to do certain things. You know, I want to look at our daughter and and see the the beautiful work that Christ is doing in her and and to be free of that, I, to be free, I have to let go of my own expectations and what I want to see and embrace 
what he sees and, and what is truly at work in this. I want to see what he sees and only what he sees and the rest doesn't matter. When we hope in him alone and when he gives us sight in the spirit, we are able to enter into a freedom like no other. Sorry, we have to keep going. <laughs> because we're able to be free of all our own expectations of of what we think should happen or how we want a situation to play out, we come to understand that really it was never about the physical set of difficulties but about what is being produced in us because of the difficulty. Sure, it doesn't take away from the reality of the circumstance and it doesn't mean that we don't accept the circumstance because we don't want to go down. You know, there's so much pinging that you can do <laughs> in all of us. But what he does is bring purpose to it and then we're able to embrace it and walk through it. Um, I was trying to find when this happened, but a few years ago, I'm not sure if we were married yet or not, but um, a few years ago, um, I w- there was a service here and I went up and as I was going up, I remember asking the Lord, I want you to take what's not you out. Like I want, I, I want to be rid of me and I want you to do that work where it's just you. And it was Greg and Mike Hewitson praying for me and um, all I can say is, is I think, well I'm pretty sure that the fire of the Lord came upon me because I got so hot. It was like, it was honestly like it was radiating off me and it's funny because I asked him. I asked him to do that. I asked him to remove anything that wasn't him, and that's exactly what he is doing in me. Um, and if this is the way that he is choosing to do that, then how can I argue with him? Because that is what I desired, and at that time when I when I asked him that, that's what I said to him. I want you to take what's what's not you and replace it with yourself. And so with all these things and and um, all the trials that we've been through, that is what he's done. And, you know, it's while it's been hard, it's beautiful at the same time. And I can honestly say that whatever is around the corner, um, I know that, that me and Jaron will will face it. And we will overcome it because our hope is in him and our trust is in him and and he has given us sight of what's important and what he's doing. You know, he says that we will go through trials. We're not exempt from them just because we follow him. In fact, I believe that we need them so that our faith may be proved genuine. And, yeah, as I say, I can truly say that whatever comes now or in the future we will overcome it. It may not look like we want it to physically, but eternally it will be what he desires. And that's the reality I choose to live in. Like I I want to live in that reality. You know, and I've just found that it's absolutely possible (laughs) not just to survive in these situations, 
but to actually thrive. And, you know, and it's not because of what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, it's, it's because of what he's doing in me. And, like, that just, to be able to thrive in something like this just amazes me. And, and you know, it's, it's bringing so much to, to our lives. Like, you can't even, like, explain all of it because you can't contain it <laughs> because it's, it's of a nature that is eternal. And, and the reality, I feel like, you know, we're, I'm still, on, obviously, still on the process as we all are, but I feel like the reality, it's starting to stare me straight in the face now. And, and I'm starting to walk straight into it. So that's that's pretty much it for tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I just really wanted to encourage you guys and that that he will do a work in you in whatever circumstance you're in, if you allow him to. And yeah, and I just I can't testify enough to his faithfulness in my life and my heart. Yeah. So thanks. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this amazing couple. Thank you for their beautiful daughter. Thank you for their grand's parents that are here tonight as we stand. And I thank you that in you we find our strength. We find life. And the challenges of life, Lord, you empower us to keep walking forward. And sometimes it's one foot in front of the other and sometimes it's strikes. But Lord, I pray your blessing and your favor on these guys. I thank you for their family of three and their extended family and their spiritual family and I thank you for their openness and their honesty and I thank you guys for for sharing tonight and being open with us that we can receive from you and what God is doing in you through this so thank you for that blessing Lord I just pray you would continue to strengthen them give them wisdom continue to show them purposes behind everything will continue to open up the eternal realm and that they would see Lord I thank you for Addie, I thank you she's beautiful I thank you that her face radiates you and I see the presence in her when I look into her eyes and she beams she lights up a room I thank you that she is perfect I thank you that she's yours the beautiful daughter and so Father we together as a whole tonight, just pray. Thank you for you and what you're doing in this situation and know that you hold us all in the palm of your hands. So, Father, just bless Haley and Jaron tonight and Addie and uh, just continue to pour out you within them. And I thank you at times we don't need to ask why. We just trust. And so, Father, in the days that will come where they maybe want to know the why, but I pray that they would just trust and know that you are good and that you work out all things for those that love as we are moving towards something far greater than we know. And so, Lord, we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name.
Now, the Bible clearly teaches, doesn't it, that God's thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. And um, people have walked through some things, and things. one of the things I always think about is, um, you know, the Israelites for a number of years were, were screaming out for help. But God, in his wisdom, was going to take a man to lead them out. But there was 40 years. And God does things that we don't necessarily agree with in our timing because his ways are, are higher than ours and his thoughts are way higher. And he does things for a macro picture, not a little micro one. And so while people were screaming, Moses was being prepared. And 40 years and then he sends him. I mean, he was 80 before he even started. So that's, uh, that's interesting from today's perspective, isn't it? That God's prepared to wait and do a work because his ways are higher than ours. He thinks deeper, further, farther than us. And he's producing this reality in us as a people. That, yes, we, and I love what you said, Haley. when he speaks, we go after what he speaks. But we don't preempt and we don't put our ways and what we want. We wait to hear and we respond because that's what the son did. He heard, he responded. Didn't take anything to his own hands, not his own initiative. He heard, he responded. There was life. So um, what I want to do is I want to just break into some groups. Um, Haley's just prepared some questions for us just to dialogue. So maybe just choose someone in the group that you want to just facilitate and uh, just encourage you to, to talk about that. Maybe we do that half an hour. It'll be about 6.35, and then we'll call it a night. Just thank you again. Darren, thank you for allowing that as well. Um, it truly is a blessing for us. So thanks, guys.